Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, how you doing? Joe here. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Show. Hope you're doing well. Listen, I'm doing this live right now on YouTube, but I'm also streaming this to the audio platform. So hello, everybody. Glad you're here. If you're watching me right now on YouTube, just comment down below and let me know you're here. Tell me where you're from. Tell me who you are. Uh, you might be watching this on Facebook as well and Twitter and LinkedIn. So how's it going? Today's a special episode. We're going to be talking about um, how to double your income if you are a realtor. And I've been doing this little new theme uh, for this type of a podcast where I'm taking on a guest who maybe wants a little bit of coaching, a little bit of help with an issue or a problem that they might have. And I'm going to be giving them my advice and you get to listen in and see what we talk about. You may even find something that's relatable to you that you might want to do yourself. So we're going to be doing that today. And Zach, new friend of mine from Nashville is going to be on the show. He's a realtor and he wants to double his income. He wants to start making more money. Maybe doing the realtor stuff, maybe doing investor stuff. So we're going to be talking about, can you do both? Can you be, is it a both and thing or an either or? And I love realtors. Used to be one. I'm thinking about renewing my license. I don't know yet. I'm still on the fence on that. But I definitely work with realtors every single day. And I think a lot of investors, for whatever reason, look down their noses on realtors. And realtors also look down their noses on investors as well for sometimes really good reasons, but it's dumb. It, it's, it's not, it shouldn't be that way. Uh, investors need realtors and realtors need investors. And if you are a realtor right now, you can actually make, I'm going to argue more money if you do deals as an investor, but you still should not throw away your license. Uh, you can learn how to do both. Cause I think when you have both, you can make even more money with that. All right. So first thing first though, this podcast is brought to you by this little piece of paper right here. This is my land contract. You can get it for free at simplelandcontract.com. I've been doing vacant land deals now for quite a few years. I'm uh, really, really loving it. My son right now, actually, we were just talking the other day. He's working on a land deal that just got accepted. This was an old lead from somebody else. And um, they, my son took his old leads and started sending offers to them and got a deal under contract. Not sure it's going to be a deal yet, but it's, it, we got it under contract for two grand. It's worth maybe 15 and we got that deal under contract with a simple one-page contract. And you can get it for free at simplelandcontract.com. Go check it out, simplelandcontract.com. Cool. Let's bring Zach Pyburn on. Zach, how are you, man? I'm doing good. Thanks. How are you doing? Excellent. You're a realtor in Nashville, right? Yes, that's correct. Cool. I was just in Nashville yesterday. We were talking about this before we started here. Um, you actually know my brother. My brother, Ben, really cool guy. I had coffee with him yesterday at a coffee shop called The Well, and I you you said there's two of them. I don't know which one. There's actually more than two, but oh, yeah, the one I was at was really nice, and it was one of the best Americanos I've ever had. It was really really yeah. good. All right, so um, talk about you a little bit here, Zach. You're a realtor, is that right? That's right. Cool. And how I, are you doing the business? So I I got my license almost a year ago, so very new. The reason I got my license was because I knew I wanted to be on the investor side one day and working towards that. Um, and I wanted to get my foot in the door. I wanted to learn the industry. And I thought that was a good decision. And as you were saying, it seems like there's a little bit of both. Some Something it's a good idea, something it's not. Um, yeah. But the long-term goal is to create generational wealth, um, financial freedom for 
my family and for calling, et cetera. And so I started getting, I got my license. I started getting a little traction in November, a couple closings and just traditional realtor stuff, just traditional realtor stuff, which to me is, it's great, but I know there's more. And I've been, I've been soaking up uh, your content, other, other investor contents on creative financing, just different ways to invest that are not traditional. Uh, and I know there's more out there and that's what's exciting me. And I know that more is possible. So that's my goal. And it's really just, it can get overwhelming really quick because there's a lot of information and a lot of different routes to take. And I'm really trying to zero it in and figure out a strategy and figure out what's best for me. Yeah. Okay, cool. Do you do uh, anything else full-time or is this a side time thing for you? This is, this is pretty much it. Yeah. Cool. And you're married. Do you mind my asking? I'm engaged. You're engaged. Cool. This year. Yep. Nice. And just so no kids yet. Do you mind if I'm asking that? No kids. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what what's okay to ask and what's not these days. And the reason I'm asking is because a lot depends on like, if you're in a relationship, you have a family, you've got kids, that changes the whole dynamic, doesn't it? Like you have to make money now. And so sometimes my best advice would be get a job at the well and start making coffee uh, while you do the real estate stuff on the side, right? Yeah. Which if you wanted to get into coffee, that's a great coffee shop to go to. <laughs> this is a cool place. I was there for almost three hours yesterday because I, I flew there in the morning to do some church stuff with a friend from St. Louis, hung out with my brother. And uh, we had about three hours to learn. We had to leave for our flight. We, were, we got there in the morning, left in the evening. So, but anyway, it was a lot of fun. So you've done some, you've made some money uh, so far with some traditional listings. Uh, what kind of land or what kind of uh, real estate investing strategies are you interested in? They all sound exciting. I've been studying on subject to um, your lease options, um, wholesaling. And what really interests me is, you know, the way that I am designed is flipping a property sounds really fun only because I grew up, my dad's a plumber. I grew up in the construction. I like to work with my hands. I like to design. I'm not professional in any way, but I'm really creative in that way. And so long-term, what excites me is building my own house or even having a rental property just where I can make it what I want to make it and get the fulfillment out of the creative part of it. That's what excites me. Now, the, the, the route to take to get to that point, they all sound exciting. You know, the land flipping sounds fun, but for me, I think I'm trying to figure out a strategy of what is low risk and maybe something to get into that doesn't take the capital that I don't have yet. Yeah. And you're in Nashville, one of the most competitive markets in the United States. Yes. And it, it's maybe slowed down a little bit the last year, but still not much. I mean, when I was down there, so I still saw tons of cranes everywhere, you know, lots of buildings going up, lots of new construction still going on. It doesn't seem like it's slowed down at all to me. Is that what you feel like as is, is well? It's very, I'm up here on the fifth floor of my building right now. And there's just crane, 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 crane all over the place. <laughs> and especially as a realtor, it, um, it's very competitive. Being a realtor in a competitive market like that. I was just reading in the Wall Street Journal how different companies like Redfin, Caldwell Banker, the, you know, Remax, those are the big ones, uh, Keller Williams and all that are seeing a big reduction in the number of realtors that are actively holding their license right now. And uh, a lot of realtors are dropping out, quitting, going back to work because um, they're just struggling Then it's not working as well. In fact, there was a period of time before interest rates started going up. So early 22, maybe 
where uh, there were more realtors than uh, listed homes on the MLS, which I think is pretty rare. <laughs> like normally, it's it's the other way around. There's but anyway, there's there's a lot of the realtors, and a lot of them are leaving the market because they're just not making the money. And uh, I was thinking of something while you were talking. Have you heard of that book by Gary Keller, the Millionaire Real Estate Investor? Really good book. Have you read it? Have you thought about it? I've I have I actually have it. I haven't read it front to back. Yeah. I like that book a lot. It's been a long time since I've read it, but um, he comes at the real estate business from an investor perspective as a realtor. And it's a great book. He's interviewing a lot of other realtors in the business. And it's about 10 years old. Um, so markets have shifted and changed a little bit. But um, I think that would be a really good book for you to read. If you're thinking about doing the real estate investor side of things from a realtor's perspective. Yeah. So you one of the one of the big problems, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, if you're going to be doing rehabbing in Nashville, the amount of capital involved, because the houses are so much more expensive, very competitive. When you get a deal, you better make sure your rehab numbers are spot on, like you're, you're, you're not going over budget because they're so competitive. You have to bid and you're buying these properties higher than you normally would, right? Um, and it's also more challenging to find good contractors because they're so busy with everything that's going on in Nashville. Do you feel like that's, am I spot on there? That that's accurate. Yeah, <clears throat> I was on a team um, who, <coughs> someone who um, he he was doing a couple flips, and thankfully he made a profit, but it was nowhere near you know what he projected. I'm seeing that a lot right now with rehabbers all across the country, and even in um, especially in, in the hotter markets out west, in Phoenix and San Diego and Vegas and things like that, where um, where it was easy a year ago to rehab a property and flip it. You could buy the properties instead of 70 cents on the dollar. Maybe you can make an offer at 80 cents, 80% of ARV, right? Minus repairs. But the people that, um, especially those that were rehabbing on the higher end of the property. So if in, if in Nashville, let's say the median home price is 400 grand, these were people that were targeting the $800,000 million rehabs because two years ago, those were flying like hotcakes, super easy to sell, lots of room for error. Right. If you're budgeted a hundred grand for rehab and if you went 150 grand, okay, you'd still made a hundred grand on the flip. But now I'm seeing this a lot. People um, bought a house maybe a year ago, put too much money into it, took takes too long, having a harder time now selling it. They were hoping to sell it in a couple of weeks. And now it's been three, four, five, six months, and a lot of money's tied up on these deals and it's getting harder to sell. They're just sitting on the market. And maybe we're coming into a normal market. I don't know. But here's my point. Um, if you're into rehabbing, my biggest advice would be don't do that at, at, to start, right? Like that's one of the hardest strategies to get into real estate investing as a beginner. And I know you've been doing this for a little while, but like I tell anybody who's been in the business for less than a few years, like you've got to learn how to find deals before you start getting into the bigger deals, before you start fixing and flipping, before you even start buying and holding for rental properties, you need to learn how to be a deal finder. You need to learn how to find the good deals because every market is so different. You know, you're going to find as you learn and you're out there on the streets and you're talking to sellers and making offers, getting offers rejected, maybe getting offers accepted and then bringing them to other buyers and investors and them telling you, no, that's too much. I, you know, you need to be 50 grand less or whatever. You're going to learn the best by actually doing. And so I think the guys and gals especially in competitive markets like Nashville that are going to do the best are the ones that know how to find the deals. You need to learn what's a good deal and what it's, what's not a good deal, right? Then once you learn that stuff, 
you can cherry pick the best deals for yourself to fix and flip on your own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You mentioned this before, like you, you worked with a rehabber before, is that right? I worked with a realtor who he basically was an investor and took on his own projects. I wasn't deep into it, so I'm not very knowledgeable on, on how it went. That was when I first started out and I ended up moving brokerages. Okay. The other thing I was thinking about when you were talking was um, you need to really focus on networking and finding who the active buyers are in Nashville right now, right? Who are the ones that are actively looking for properties right now and find them, sit down with them. Don't just take them out to coffee to pick their brain, right? You need to find these guys and gals, these companies that are looking for deals and find out what are you looking for. Put on your realtor hat for a little bit, but not as a, hey, I'm looking for listings, not the retail side of things, but look for the investors who have the money, who are looking for deals and find out what they're looking for, what markets, what neighborhoods, what price ranges, how do they make their offers, what makes a good deal or not a good deal. And what I would suggest, and by the way, how long again have you been doing this? Full time, um, about. September. Okay. Because you have a big learning curve ahead of you, right? Which, which is awesome. And you've also, you've got into the market at, at a very difficult time, right? Listings are, get, are on the market longer. A lot of realtors are leaving the business. You got to think in terms of who are, your, who are the customers when you're a realtor, when you're an investor, who are the customers? They're not the sellers. They're the buyers. The buyers are the ones with the money, right? They're the ones with the money. A lot of realtors go into the business looking for listings, looking for sellers, but really it's the buyers who have the money. They're the ones who are your customers. And I see all the time, the realtors that focus on the buyers first, always succeed, stay longer in the business and have better success because you find those buyers first and then you go out and you find what they want. I would encourage you to be a bird dog for these investors that are looking for deals. And you got to get super clear on this, right? Like I would find them say, hey, listen, I'm a realtor. I'm just getting started. I'm a hustler. I'm, and I'm good at finding deals. Please tell me what you want and I'm going to go find it for you, right? What neighborhoods are they looking for? What are they willing to pay? Do they have access to money? Like if you could bring them a deal, can they close in a week if it's a really good deal? And then also you find out from them, how do you make your offers? Everybody has different ways to analyze deals. You know, Maybe it's a landlord looking for rental properties. They're going to have a different way of analyzing a deal. Maybe it's a fix and flipper who just wants to fix and flip. Don't allow them to give you general vague answers. Don't allow them to just say, oh, I'm looking for a good deal. Send me what you got. You need to just really dig down and say, well, tell me what you're looking for. Are you looking for two bedrooms or four bedrooms? You know, Are you looking for a teardown so you can build a new house? You are? Okay, good. Which neighborhoods are you looking for these deals in? Which zip codes? Which part of town? Um, if I bring you a teardown on this side of the highway, are you still interested or does it have to be on this side of the highway, right? Because every neighborhood is so different. But you've got to get, you got to find out what they're looking for. And then it's just a matter of when you know that, <clears throat> getting on the phone, talking, putting yourself out there, finding deals. Like it reminds me of a, of a student I had in Denver, Colorado, and this was five, six years ago. Um, very new in the business, very frustrated how hard it was to find deals. And I remember him telling me specifically, Joe, there are no deals in Denver. There are none. I said, really? Are you sure about that? And he said, yeah, I'm positive. There are none. I said, well, okay, let's look at the data. Data, not drama. Let's look at the numbers. And we went into Denver and I looked in the last three months, all of the transactions that investors bought and um, we found several hundred of them. These were properties that investors bought in his neighborhood's in the last 90 days, three months or whatever it was. And he was blown away at 
they were actually people finding deals. How did they find them? So I said to him, you need to get very clear and drill down deep. Instead of going a mile wide in the whole Denver market and just an inch deep, you need to pick in that inch and go a mile deep into that. And I told him, I said, you need to find just the top two or three zip codes, maybe the top two or three neighborhoods. And you need to be the expert of finding the deals there in that zip code for these buyers. And so he did that. Within a few months, he was making a ton of money. He was killing it just because he decided to go a mile deep. And what do you do in that mile deep area? Well, now that you know what your buyers, who your buyers are and what they want, you can go find it for them. And if you know they have cash and you know they can close quick, it changes everything because now you're presenting yourself, especially since you're a licensed agent, you can do this. You're presenting yourself to these sellers as you're talking to them as somebody who's got a million dollars burning a hole in your pocket and you can close in a week. And sometimes because these guys know these areas so well, they, you can pay more than anybody else. Does that make sense what I'm saying there? Yeah. All right. So how do you go a mile deep in these little areas? Handwritten yellow letters, cold call, texting, putting flyers on doors, knocking on doors. Um, I remember back, oh, it's been probably 10, 12 years, I used to do a lot of post-it notes. And I would hire these little companies that do the flyers. You know how they there's people that go around delivering flyers and rubber bands on doorknobs and stuff like that. And I printed uh, five, 6,000 post-it notes that look like the UPS post-it note that they put on a door when they've missed and there needs to be a signature or something like that. And um, it worked phenomenally well. I got a lot of calls. I got a lot of angry calls. But uh, if you Google real estate investor post-it notes, there's a company that does these. Um, and it used to be called the Roop post-it note, Richard Roop, R-O-O-P, used to sell those. And there's a company out there that you can buy them and print them and you put your phone number on it. So like, here's the cool thing, like you can find all the things that work and do all of them. You know, cold calling, the texting, the letters, the door knocking, putting the post-it notes on the doors because you just got to go a mile deep. And if all your marketing is focused on these zip codes and then you make it a goal to talk to five sellers a day in those markets, right? And it could, it's the realtors that are listing properties there. It's the realtors that recently sold properties there. It's the property managers, who are average, who have properties in those zip codes. It's the landlords, anybody and everybody that ever does business in these areas, they need to know who you are by a first name. You need to be calling them, emailing them, texting them, pestering them, bothering them. Hey, I'm looking for deals. Do you have anything? My name is Zach. I'm looking for deals in 63194. Do you have anything right now? I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking for deals. Well, can I send you my contact information in case you find something you can let me know? Do you understand what I'm saying there? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as far as, so you're saying find the buyer first, mm -hmm. investors, cash buyers, um, and just start there and just find, find the buyers first. Yeah. Because it's always easier to sell what somebody wants rather than what you have. Mm -hmm. So if you just are spraying and praying all this marketing all over Nashville, um, and finding a deal, it's like you walking around at New York times yeah. square, whatever it's called. Times Square in New York, and you've got a bowl of spaghetti and, and you're trying to sell this food to people just out there in random, they're going to be looking at you weird. Like, I, I, don't, I don't even want any spaghetti. Why are you bringing this to me? But instead, if you put on your, you know, your uh, DoorDash uniform, right? And you got your DoorDash bag and you come up to people and say, hey, listen, uh, are you hungry? I'll go, I'll go buy you something. What are you looking for? What do you want to eat? And then you get an order, you go get it for them. You're much going to, it just makes everything so much easier. Right. You need to find out who the active investors are and where are they buying and what are they buying? What are they looking for? Talk to them. Be that guy who answers the phone. Like any realtor that has that knows how to answer their phone 
can make a lot of money in this business. Same with investors, but it's especially true with realtors because realtors just don't do that anymore. They do not answer their phones. And it's really annoying to everybody, but you become that guy that answers the phones. When a property manager calls you or a realtor calls you or another investor calls you and says, hey, you know what? I think I have a deal you might be interested in here. You're the guy who answers the phone. I can't tell you how many deals we've done, especially when I was working with a friend of mine, Rick. We were doing a lot of direct-to-seller marketing And just kind of doing okay with it. We switched it around and we started finding the buyers first. And we started going to them and saying, what are you looking for? Then all he did, we stopped all of our seller marketing and he would go out and just call everybody that does business in those areas. Because we knew then we had the buyers, we knew what they were looking for. And we started calling every investor, realtor, property manager, landlord, everybody we knew who was doing deals already in that area. Listings, older listings, solds, rentals, all of them, right? And just selling them, hey, we're looking for deals. Do you have anything? And then once a week, he would keep everybody's email address, everybody's phone number. Once a week, he would text them and email them. Hey, Rick here, just following up. Do you have any deals? I'm looking for something. Do you got anything? Let me know. And so we stopped all of our marketing. We had more people bringing us deals than ever before. And th- this was 10, well, eight years ago, but it's, it was still c- competitive back then. Not much has changed. And, you know, Nashville was still competitive back then, but we started having people bring us deals. And um, I was going to say something else about that, but I forgot what it was. It'll come back to me. Does that make sense, Zach, what I'm saying there? It does. So one of my favorite parts of Nashville is Germantown. I mean, it's, it's tiny, but I just love, you know. Why is it your favorite part? Because of the architecture. Okay. And that's just, that's, that's part of how I'm wired. Um, okay. So I just okay. love to walk through it and it's a cool little area. And it's probably very, I mean, it's expensive for one. There's not really, I've seen a couple I've seen a few vacant properties, but I know that there's probably people that are just like latching onto everything there. Um, well, yesterday there was this house. It was definitely a vacant house. And I did pulled up the tax records and I found who owned it and I called and got a hold of this guy and he I asked him what his plans were with it. And I was just trying to start a conversation. I honestly had no direction. I'm just trying to to um take action and have okay. a con and he asked him what his plans were with the property. He didn't really tell me, but he said, if I had more properties to call him and let him know. So I didn't really have the, um, the track or the, the, the questions to ask him in the moment. So, it was so this was the buyer looking for deals. This was an investor who owned, he owned that property. And he told okay. me, I told him I was a realtor and he told me, um, if I had more, if I had any properties to bring him to him, it was very vague. I didn't know what else to ask. And I said, okay. Um, but now this, this conversation with you has got me thinking, to call him back to ask him more questions. What exactly are you looking for? And then I can go on that hunt. But you got to make sure he's an active buyer. Yeah. Got to make sure he's an active buyer. And is he buying a lot of deals currently or just wishing he could buy some more? Does he buy one every couple of years? You need to make sure they're active buyers. And I'm actually right now in PropStream. I'm going to share my screen. I think this will be important for everybody to kind of see here. All right. You guys, you see my prop stream screen here? Yeah. We'll make it a little bigger here. So I went to Davidson County, Tennessee. That's Nashville, right? Yeah. And I went to filter and I said, owner occupied? No. So that means these are investor buyers that bought a property in the last five months. Let's do, let's do last, uh, so I don't have as many. Let's do last three months. One, two, three, since November one, approximately, right? And there's 932 transactions from investors in the last 30 days. Now, you could narrow this down some more. You could say property characteristics only uh, single-family homes. And what do we have there? 
426. Okay, let's select them. I'm going to add them to a list, create new. By the way, you guys can get PropStream at uh, PropStreamJoe.com, PropStreamJoe.com. Davidson County, Tennessee, recent buyers. Okay, and let's save that. There's another way you can do this. I'll show you in a minute here if you don't have PropStream. So it's saving this list. In fact, why well, I'm just going to open up that as well. And I'm going to move this to a new tab. Let me stop my sharing. Do new present share screen window here. Boom. Okay. If we go to list source, you can uh, get a free account at list source. All right, good. You see all that. Um, I'm going to go right here to investor absentee owners criteria. Let's do county. Let's do state, Tennessee, and we'll do Davidson County. There's 41,000 property records there. I'm going to go to next. Let's do property type, just single family, SFR. You could do townhouse multifamily if you wanted as well. And then I'm going to go right up here to last three months, last market recording date, last three months. And that's going to bring it down to 169. There's one more thing we have to do here. I'm going to click next. And I'm going to say corporate owned properties, no preference. So now there's 338. See that right there? I'll zoom in. 338 investor transactions in the last 90 days in Davidson County. Cool. Then I'm going to pretend like I'm purchasing the list right here. I'm going to go to purchase partial list. I'm going to do custom selection. And this is showing investor only purchase. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Zip code. All right. So there's 26 zip codes here that are showing. And you can see the number of transactions that happened in those zip codes. And just looking at this quickly here, I'm going to write this down. 37211, 37211 has 33, right? 37207, 37207 has 33. 37115, 37115 has 27. And 37013 has 29, right? Mm -hmm. And so those, I have a little spreadsheet here. Let me just do this real quick. Top zips, zip codes. All right. So from here, if you take all of these and just copy them, copy, put them in my spreadsheet here, blank tab, paste. Cool. Now I'm going to take these and just copy them, copy, and I put them right here, paste. All right. Now over here on the right, you can see three, two, 37211 is 33. All right. So we see the top five zip codes there. And you can see in these five zip codes, six zip codes here, 48% of all the activity from investors is happening here in these seven zip codes. And so, but let's focus on instead of a zip code that you like because it's nice and it looks pretty and you can walk around it. What if we just focus where the investors are already buying? Yeah. 37211, right? Where is that? Let's go to Redfin. 37211. Pretty sure that it is down there. Do you see whatever. that? Yeah. I'm gonna zoom out a little bit here. What is that? What do you call that area? That like Nippers Corner. Nippers Corner. That's where. That's where I'm at. That's first where I, I think that's where I was had coffee at in this area. No, anyway. Yeah. No. 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 You're right. That's exactly where it is. Okay. Cool. Now you can see here on the there's uh, 110 homes currently for sale. What if you just went here and you said, all right, show me. Sorry. Here you go. Time on Redfin. Show me all the properties that have been on the market there over 90 days. Did you know there's 28 homes there right now that have been on the market over 28? No, no. There's 28 homes that have been on the market over 90 days. Why is that? Well, they're just overpriced. But you would have never seen this a year ago. I mean, that would have been one or two, maybe. 
All right, so that's three two seven one one. A lot of investors are buying properties there. What about three seven two zero seven? Where is that? This is more north Nashville, right? Uh huh. Where is three seven three seven zero one three? Again, there's 48 homes. These are all homes that have been on the market over 90 days. Let's just make it all. 424 homes in that zip code on the market over uh, total, 195 properties total. You know, what if all you did was just go in and look at all the properties that have been listed for over 90 days in these top zip codes and just start calling the agents and asking them, hey, you know, I've got... Now, some of these are new construction, so you could go in here and remove new construction. You could say, all right, it has to have been built before 2020. That takes it out of 30 homes. And maybe you want to limit, the, like, why is this? This thing right here is $2.2 million. Maybe it's a big <laughs> lot. I don't know, right? But like, what if you just started calling these realtors and asking them, hey, listen, I've got a client because you're a realtor. I've got a client that's looking to buy some property in this area. And I see that you've got this property on Richards Road that's been on the market for 365,000 uh for 138 days. Can you tell me a little bit a little bit about it? Is the the owner certainly not in a hurry to sell it, right? I mean there's this is a hot market. I'm sure you've been getting a lot of interest, you know, let the realtor tell you why hasn't it sold yet? What's going on? Um is it too pri- too high price? Okay, well, how negotiable is the seller on their price? You could also tell the realtor, well, uh, anyway, the fact you're just calling them up, finding out what's going on, what's really the story behind this deal, why hasn't it sold yet? Is the seller negotiable on the price? And then if you could even get into things like, well, I don't know if we could get them the price that they wanted, but if I could, would they consider some kind of creative financing? Would they consider seller financing? Um, would they consider maybe leasing it for a little bit and then buying it from them? Like, What if you could negotiate a subject to or a lease option while your investors are rehabbing the house to sell it? You could maybe offer a little bit more by just Letting asking the seller to carry back some financing or something like that. And then one more zip code that we looked at was uh, 37115, right? That's up there in North. How, how, like how the realtor, let's say that they were open to creative financing, I guess co- commissions and all that is worked into those negotiations and those when, deals. When you buy a house with owner financing, yeah, you still have to, even though you're not paying cash, you still have to make sure the listing agent gets their, all of their commissions. Yeah. Now you could, it's all, you could negotiate half of their commissions now and then the other half of their commissions at the end of the lease option period or something like that, right? You could always negotiate that. But here's my point I wanted to bring up with all of this. Whether you're doing this in PropStream like I was showing you before or you're doing it in list source, where's all the investor activity? It's in these zip codes right here, right? I don't know if that area you were just talking about is in these zip codes or not, but this is where investors are buying properties right now in the last three months. Yeah. Find out who those buyers are, call them up, talk to them, tell them you want to be their agent who's bringing them deals. Find out what they're looking for. What are they willing to pay? Now you can go a mile deep into these three or four zip codes, right? And uh, just focus on as much marketing as you can. I always tell people, make it a goal to, oh, I got to go here in just a minute. Make it a goal to talk to five sellers a day, right? If you can get in there and talk to five sellers a day and just make offers, follow up, Call all the property managers. Like if we even went into, let me share my screen one more time here. You know, what if you went into uh, Zillow and uh, let's look at one of those zip codes, 37211, 37211. Look up all of the rental properties there. These are properties currently listed for rent. 
let's make sure they're just single family homes and townhomes. There's 59 of them. Just go through and start calling all of the property managers and the realtors and the landlords and asking them if they would have any interest in maybe selling their house. Yeah. This to me looks like a rehab that they couldn't sell and they're now renting it out. This does not look like a nice, this does not look like a rental property. Yeah. They fixed this thing up, not to rent it, to sell it. They couldn't sell it. So now they're just going to, yeah, this is an individual owner too. It's listed by a property owner. I bet you this guy would like to sell this. So anyway, you just got to get creative, get out there and start calling landlords, property managers, realtors, and start following up with them religiously, relentlessly looking for deals. Find out who the buyers are in these top zip codes and go find them properties. Find out what their buying criteria is. The uh, I did a podcast with Alicia a while ago. If you go to my YouTube channel, Joel McCall, this was a lady who's a realtor who's just killing it. She finds all of her buyers and sellers on Twitter. Alicia. On Twitter. Yeah, she uses Twitter a lot. Um, I don't know how to find, okay, Alicia. Well, I have to, I don't know why I can't find her right now. Maybe I got her name wrong, but I interviewed a realtor a few, a couple of years ago, who's doing a lot of deals as a realtor, as an agent, but it's the same thing. Finding this, the buyers first, go find the deals for them. Some of the deals that might be right on the MLS, these buyers just don't know how to find them. Huh. Well, anyway, I don't know why I can't find that, but go to my YouTube channel, do a search for, for Alicia and uh, you'll see that there. Let me just look one more time. Now I can't. Now it's all messed up. All right, cool. Zach, I got to go. I've, I just realized I'm seven minutes late for a meeting. Is that helpful? Anything that we shared here? That is helpful. It's exciting because I one of my questions was, I want to be more creative in getting clients as a realtor and not just doing the same old thing everybody else is doing. That's really boring. Well, being creative means doing this these simple things really, really well, like answering your phone. I call it being brilliant at the basics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you, Joe. Thank you. Be, get brilliant at the basics, answer your phone. Oh, I remember what I was going to say with Rick. We had so many people that were coming to us, buyers that were saying, Joe and Rick, the only reason I'm doing deals with you, you are the only guys who answer your phone. That's the best tip I could give you out of all of this. Answer your phone. You're going to find sellers, buyers, realtors that will tell you this all the time. I can't believe you answer your phones. This is yeah. why I do deals with you. This is why I'm bringing you deals. This is why I buy deals from you is because you answer your phone. Yeah. So be that guy who answers the phone and you will do really well in this business. Make sense? Yeah, it does. <laughs> All right, Zach. Good talking to you, man. All right, Joe. Thank you.